Good morning, church family. How are we doing this morning? Everybody good? Everybody glad to be in the house of the Lord? Did you have a good worship experience so far? Can we give it up for the worship team just doing a great job? So proud of them. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek, and uh, I like to say I'm the lead servant here, lead pastor, and so glad you're with us. Welcome to our church. If this is your first time, uh, we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, we we exist for you. We don't just exist for church people. We exist for all people. Amen. 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 And so there's a there's a place for you, and and we hope it has a uh, you know a welcoming home feel. Uh, this ministry was you know built on um, you know faith. It was built on family. And my father, uh, you know, who's gone on gone on to be with the Lord, was a um, was an atheist. He was a, he's a converted atheist and he used to have this phrase he was a wife beating camel smoking bourbon drinking two-fisted atheist who found Jesus come on somebody and I just want you to know how powerful one man's uh, decision to follow Christ can be because it created a legacy and so now we have three generations of pastors uh, as a result of that and hundreds and and now thousands of people have come to Christ uh, through uh, the ministry of Connect Church. And so welcome to our church. And I want to welcome again our online family, our Framingham campus, our TC campus. TC, shout out to you. It was so good being with you guys last week. I'm so proud of you. You guys had a fire, fire service there last week. And you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up, Pastor Jim and Pastor Cliff in Framingham. Just doing an amazing job. It's been so great being at the Framingham campus all week, uh, all these last two weeks in prayer. There's something special going on in the Framingham campus. Uh, you know, I'm just going to say this, a little challenge to the, to the Ashland campus. When you go to church in Framingham, they don't leave. <laughs> the meeting's over, and I think the linger's longer than the services. But anyway, you got something going on there. Shout out to Framingham. They're all going crazy. Amen. Are you guys ready to get in the Word today? All right, so we're in a, uh, thank you, Sergio, we're in a series entitled, It's, it's, it's About Time. <laughs> and we've talked about in the previous two weeks uh, different aspects of really what we kind of tend to focus on or might focus on or hope to focus on in a new year. It's kind of connected to like New Year's resolutions, you know, the things I need to change, the things I need to kind of uh, reboot, refresh in my life. And, and so in week one we talked about it's, it's about time to get focused in fact, if you grab a hold of that message, uh, it's very likely you're going to be successful in the, in the following messages. In fact, if you don't, you might struggle with that. So we've got to get focused. Amen? Amen? And then last week, Pastor Devin, come on, everybody. Pastor Devin did a great job. Did a great job. I, uh, I, was, I almost flew to another country after the end of that message just thinking, he's got the church. We're good. Um, <laughs> But anyway, um, we talked about freedom. It's about time to get free. And that was a very pastoral and holistic view on freedom that it's not just enough to, uh, you know, get free in your body as a triune being and free in your mind and free in your spirit. You got to have the whole package. Amen? Amen. And so it was just a fantastic, fantastic thing. But we're getting into some particulars now. And so today, I'll just introduce it by saying what happens a lot of times is New Year's resolutions typically revolve around, for many people, the physical realm. Yeah. Yes or no? Yes. You know, say, oh, me. <laughs> I, hear, I, feel, I feel it coming. We're typically, like, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to try to get healthy. And what's interesting is that most people who had that New Year's resolution, this is a statistical fact, have usually already failed at this point in the month. 
gym membership spike, and then literally almost before the end of the month, bam, it, there's this massive drop-off, and uh, you're just getting an EFT from your checking account, not, not actually going anymore. And they gotcha. They gotcha, everybody. They, you know, by the way, uh, Planet Fitness is not a gym. I just want to get that out of the... Out of the it's not a gym. All right. No, I'm sorry. That's a personal, personal thing. All right. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you guys say. But anyway, there is this New Year's uh, resolution dilemma that a lot of times we have. And what happens is there's this tendency, this, 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 this gravitational pull to, to focus on the ex external, not on the internal. But I want to talk a little bit about today how the internal actually will influence the external. And if you're trying to make some changes on the outside, it first starts by what happens on the inside. In fact, the internal, and I'll prove it to you today, has the power to change the external. Wow. Amen? And so today we're going to talk about it's about time to get fit. It's about time to get fit. Turn to your neighbor and say, come on, give him a little Pillsbury poke. It's about time to get fit. Be careful now. Be careful. Oh, you can do that to the guys, but don't do that to the ladies. Okay. <laughs> Some guys like, I ain't touching. Okay. I get your finger cut off. Our theme text has been 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Let's just refresh that. Uh, this is kind of the, the theme verse for the whole series. I tell you now. Everybody say now. Now. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of God's salvation. So we're not talking about when and then. You know, someday in the sweet gone by, by, by and by. No, it's, it's now. Now, I want you to have like a now faith in this series. Amen. Like at the beginning of this year, let's, let's grab a hold of some change. Let's, yeah. make, let's make some moves this year, amen? amen? And so I want to talk about the connection between the spiritual and the physical. Because if we don't make this connection, uh, we'll fall in the physical realm. We'll fail in the physical realm as many of us, including myself, have. I have a, a mentor in my life. His name is Pastor Larry Stockstill. He's just one of the most incredible pastors, I think, on planet Earth. He's my pastor's pastor. So it's kind of awesome when you can have, you know, the influence of my pastor will be here, by the way, in March. I'm very excited. But my pastor's pastor, uh, Larry Stockstill, he, he uh, used to, he really didn't used to, but he admires his wife because his, his wife always stays thin and, and just kind of lean. And, and so one time he was just in his frustration, he says, honey, what is it? What is it that you do that I'm not doing? To stay so so lean and mean and so so skinny and, and, and I'm, I'm struggling with my weight and, and I can't keep it under control. And she says, well, it's easy, you know. She says, every morning I eat like a king. I pretty much eat whatever I want. And, and I just, you know, I, I got the eggs and I got the, I got the bacon and, and, she's, and she's just, and she's having the biscuits and the gravy and she's, I eat like a king. And then at lunchtime I eat like, a, I, eat like I eat like a prince. I, I have a little salad, you know, I have some chicken, you know, I might have, you know, uh, just a little side thing. She says, but every night I eat like a pauper. I, I really like, like maybe some soup, sometimes even just some bone broth and maybe some nuts and things like that. Just, I eat like a popper. And, and, and so I said to him, I said, you know, how's that going for you? Are you doing that? He goes, yeah, I've been doing that. I go, how's it going for you? He says, well, it's going pretty good, but every night about 10 p.m., I hear this voice inside my head that says, long live the king. <laughs> how many feel that voice at night, like around 10 p.m., you know what I mean? It's crying out. Right? It's calling you by name, you know? Like, I want manna from heaven, you know? I want it now. And for me, it was always, you guys know this about me, it was, I, I dream, you know, when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm hungry, I dream about Entenmann's Danish, right, everybody? It's a, it's a problem, you know? And I can see it. I, can still, I haven't had one in so long, but I can still taste it in my mouth. How many know 
food can really impact you and you can bring this, it's like divine recall or maybe it's demonic recall. I don't know. But, but we, we, we don't like to eat right. We don't like to exercise. I had this quote in my notes. This is wicked funny to me. Obesity doesn't run in your family. Nobody does. That's freaking funny. I heard another one where this lady, she says, my exercise is when I drain the, when I drain the bathtub and I fight the current. That's my exercise. Wow. Anyway, should I keep going? Anyway, I heard another guy, he went to the doctor. He said, doctor, how am I doing with my weight? He says, you're doing really, really good. You sure? He goes, yeah, you're doing really good. You're just 11 feet too short. All right, I'm going to get off this, okay? So... We all have physical changes that we'd like to change, want to change, know we need to change. I remember a couple of years ago when we were fasting, Devin was telling me, Dad, I've come to the realization, revelation, that food is an idolatry for me. Like, it's amazing how when you go into certain seasons of, of, of sacrifice and intentional, intentionality with those kind of things, you, you get to see, like, how your, your senses, your, your, your appetites are, are so controlling. And you get to see kind of who's larger in charge of your life. There's a word in the Bible uh, called debauchery. I don't know if you've ever seen this in, your, in, in the scriptures before. It's kind of a big word. Everybody all skips by it. But it means extreme indulgence in your senses. Debauchery. Extreme indulgence in your senses. It basically is when your body or your mind are large and in charge, not your spirit. You can't control it. It's literally, it's, it's, it's moving you. It's directing you. It's, it's leading you. And it's like... The, the lust of the eye and, and the lusts of the flesh, the Bible says. And so Devin talked about this, and we've talked about this over many years, that you as a tripart being, you are a, uh, you are, you, you, you are a spirit, you have a mind, you live in a body, okay? But those parts of you, those different parts, break into different things where your body has desires, it has wants, it has needs, your mind has... Uh, the feelings, the emotions, the will reside there. And the spirit part of you is the part of you that is the most like God. It's actually perfect. But these three parts, they're at war with each other, and they all want to be in charge. But only, listen to me now, only when your spirit is in charge will you experience true fulfillment. That's only then that you experience freedom. You feel free. I always tell people, free people are the most powerful people on planet Earth. And when you're not being controlled by your mind and, and that, those parts of you, the will that's weak and the emotions and, and all those things, and when you're not being controlled by, by, your, by your appetites and when you're not being controlled by your wants and your needs, then your spirit is leading. And when your spirit is leading, you feel free. And when you're free, you're powerful. Amen. You're very powerful. Are you with me, everybody? When I was a kid, we used to play this game, King of the Hill, and we had down the street, uh, we had this, 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 this um, escalating hill up to my friend's uh, doorstep, and the doorstep was the throne. And, and so we, you basically, the goal of the game was, I'm going to stay on top of this doorstep, and, the, and as the winner, you're, if you're on the top, the longest, you're the winner, you're King of the Hill. And everybody would be trying to tear you down off of that. In fact, we morphed the game later, and we called it Kill the Kid. You know what I mean? And I can remember my friends coming over to my house and like, hey, can Derek come outside and play Kill the Kid? You know, my mother's like, um, yeah, go ahead. You know, have a nice life. Don't come back ever. You know, I'm like, what, what kind of game is that? But that's exactly what's happening every single moment in your life. There's, there's a part of you that's trying to be king of the hill and the other parts of you are trying to tear that down. 
tear that down. And the part of you that stays king of the hill is the part that you feed the most. Whatever part you feed the most becomes the strongest part of you. Are you with me? And so Paul talks about this, but let's, give our big, let's get our big idea out there. And so I want you to think as we go into this, who's king of the hill for you right now? It's probably at different times it moves a little bit, but it might be your body. It might be the physical side of you that is controlling you. Here's God's vision for your life. God, God's vision is that your spirit be large and in charge of your body. Now, we're just talking about the body today. We'll talk about the mind another time. Are you with me, everybody? Yeah. That's God's vision for your life. Paul talks about this in Romans 7. You've seen this before. Devin even references last week. Paul said, so I have these desires to do what is good. So let's just insert there, uh, you know, not eat a whole bag of potato chips and a sleeve of fig news. <laughs> I have this desire to do what is good. I desire to work out. I desire not to smoke, smoke cigarettes. I desire uh, to schedule my life better. I desire not to do this, this, and to do that instead. I desire those things, but I cannot carry it out. He's like, I'm stuck. For what I do is not good. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, listen to this, this is so important. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that's living in me. See, this is not external. When you're trying to change things that are going on on the outside, you have to first address the things that are going on on the inside. You have to have really a, a different identity. You're not going to change what you do until you change how you see you. Did you hear that, everybody? So one of the reasons why I can't get my body fit or healthy is in the internal part of me. There's something in my triune being that's out of order. You can put a sign around your neck, and it's out of order if you're not where you need to be physically. There's something partially um, and particularly out of order if that part of you is not where it needs to be. And we'll talk about even what that looks like in a little bit, all right? Can you guys handle this? Say, I love how it hurts. All right, Romans chapter 7, verse 25, 24 and 25. Paul fusses a little more and he says, oh, what a wretched man that I am. Let's modernize that. I hate myself. I hate that part of me. I hate the body that I was given. I don't like, I don't like what I'm living in. I don't like this. What, an evil, you know, what a bad person I am for the things that I've done. Then he says specifically, listen, he says, who will rescue me from this body? Of death, this body of death. This body is taken over. This body has got my life OOC out of control. And, and then he goes on to say, But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Another, he, he didn't say, by the way, he didn't say, Thanks be to God through Jenny Craig. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> That's not how he found or will find freedom. He's saying, I found it. Through Jesus Christ. So the answer to the changes you want to see on the outside is getting more of Jesus going on on the inside in your life. Can I have a big amen out there, okay? So this message is dedicated to all the people out there, Framingham, TC, online, who feel physically frustrated. But first, let's diagnose uh, the problems. How do we know if our bodies are out of, uh, you know, our spirit are, and mind and body are out of alignment? Let's talk about that. Here's, here's what happens with our body. Here's how you know. Number one, it destroys me. I want you to understand something as a pastor. See, you have this enemy in your life, and you may not believe this, and that's okay, but uh, just read your Bible, and you'll see that there, but there's an enemy, and once, this is what the enemy does, once he knows he can't keep you from eternity with God, 
He knows he can't disqualify you from eternal separation. What he will do is spend the rest of his time trying to make your life on earth a living hell. And one of the ways he does that is by making sure that you don't see how important the stewardship and, and divine health of your body needs to be. Are you with me, everybody? And so 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul speaking, he says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. So you, you can do that, but it doesn't mean it's good for you or good uh, for you to do because of how it affects other people as well. Everything is permissible for me. And then he gives this kind of life principle, life unifying principle. But I will not be mastered by anything. That's actually my personal word for the year, you know, is, is mastering me. 1 Corinthians 6, 12b. I, w- I want habits that help me master me. I don't want to be controlled by anything except the only thing that should control us is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so what I love about this season that we're in uh, when we pray and fast, not pray and feast, is that we intentionally are offsetting um, some of these um, tendencies, these selfish tendencies with strategic self-sacrifice. Are you with me, everybody? And when that happens, you pray and you fast together. You, you get to a place where you're, you recalibrate that triune being, where the spirit goes back in charge again, and you start feeling so much better. So like physically right now, just to be completely transparent, I, I feel very cold. My circulation is a little bit off. Sometimes the int- more intense the fast is, the more, you know, sometimes I have some body temperature issues. But mentally, spiritually, I mean, I feel like I feel like I could, you know, charge hell with a water pistol. You know what I'm saying right now? Like, let's go. What's up? Show up, demons. Get ready, because I'm coming for you. You know, like, whatever. That's how I feel. Are you with me, everybody? So, by the way, insert, I would really love it if you would, if you haven't been a part of this fast, you're new to connect, take the last, we have one more week. One more week to fast and pray. Jump in. Learn about it. If you come to our prayer meetings Monday through Friday in our Framingham campus, they're all shouting right now, we have resources for you to show you, teach you, explain to you how to pray, but you can kind of set the rest of your course right. Don't say, oh, they already started. It's too late for me. No, it's not like a party where everybody's drunk and you're going to show up and you miss the whole thing. No, you can come in at any time. <laughs> That's why people don't go sometimes because it's like it's too late. They're already smashed. No, that's not how church is, okay, everybody? <laughs> Go to, go to the prayer party, and it's going to be awesome for you. Join it and learn about this whole thing of prayer and fasting. We'll have resources for you and help you with that. By the way, I can't help but plug a couple of things. Um, on February 5th, which is the, this following Sunday, I'm going to do a message that I've never done before. I feel like it's from the Lord. I feel it's for its church. It's a word for our church. I'm calling it Day 22. Day 22. It's kind of like what now? So 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's awesome. This has happened to me many, many times, and this is really, this is just as much for me as it is for you. We get to a certain place in God. We obtain a certain level in our relationship with God, and then day 22, we lose it all. Or we start this descent. And then we look back at the end of the year and say, why, what happened, you know, and remember the good times. You know, remember me and you, God? You know, we were so close, and it was so awesome, and I was walking and talking with you like, like Adam in the cool of the day. It was amazing, and then, phew, so day 22, we're going to talk about how to sustain and maintain what you obtain. So don't miss February 5th. It's an all-place service. But then 212, everybody say 212. 212. This is Vision Sunday, okay? This is like a very important vision in, uh, vis- uh, service in our church where we talk about the vision of our church. Not just kind of like a particular word, but this is the overarching vision of our church. It's so important that if we're to be successful, it's like I'm the quarterback, And when I call a play, we all know the play. 
Like, where are we going? How are we going to get there? What's the touchdown? How do we win here as a church? What are we up to? What is God's assignment for us as a ministry? You do not want to miss Vision Sunday. It's so important. If you call this church your spiritual home, I'm asking you to make plans to be here on the 12th. Amen? All right, back to the message. Everybody say, go back, Pastor. All right, so here's the second thing that can happen is it dilutes my witness. Your body has influence. It's quiet in this Catholic church. My basketball coach in high school, I won't mention his name, but my, my, my first and favorite basketball coach was an incredible, incredible athlete. It was one thing to have a coach. It's quite another to have a coach that actually can play the game. That used to be kind of like hand in glove. They, they went hand in glove. And I can just remember, um, you know, he was an incredible shooter, by the way. He was a top 10 scorer for the University of Maine um, in the history of the school. And he retired my junior year. I was like, ah! And then we got this other coach, and I won't mention his name, but I so badly want to, but he was terrible. He could not even shoot a layup. I remember him demonstrating for us, and he missed it, and I just remember, oh, my gosh, this is how the year is going to go. And if, if it wasn't bad enough, he'd try to get us in shape, and he'd be yelling at us and cursing at us and smoking cigarettes, everybody. Well, come on, guys, let's go, hurry up. Derek, pick it up, pick it up, you know what I mean? And he's sucking cigarettes down his throat. And, and I just remember... His witness, we would call it in Christianity, but the respect or we would say the moral authority of his influence was dramatically reduced because he didn't see the importance of the physical side of his role and responsibility. Are you with me, everybody? And so we may not like that because nobody wants to be judged when we're not where we need to be physically. And I understand that. But conversely, we don't want to be influenced by someone who doesn't at least appear to be practicing what they're talking about. Right? It's attention. It's attention to manage. I wrote this in my notes. Moral authority is the credibility you've earned with others by walking your talk, not just talking your walk. Moral authority determines the degree to which others will be open to your influence. And influence is different than authority. Authority is a, it can be seen, sometimes is seen as a title or a position. But, but moral authority gives you influence with people. People follow you because it works. By the way, I don't really think people, this is in an ultimate sense, please hear this. Uh, unqualified or not fully qualified, but I don't think people keep coming to a church to hear somebody talk about something that doesn't actually seem or appear to be happening in their life. In other words, it's really important that I not talk about marriage and that I, and that I got divorced three times. You know, it's good that I've been married 31 years. Come on, somebody, that helps a little bit, right? It's important that you know, you, you do your best. It's not going to be perfect and have bumps and bruises. And we're not talking about perfection, but like you're trying to raise your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, not telling everybody else what they should do and you're not doing it yourself. So this is not about perfection, everybody, right? Are you with me? We're all a work in progress, amen? amen. Come on, say, I'm a work in progress. I'm in the fight, you know? I'm never there, but I'm in process. And inside this incorruptible tent, I'm, I'm working, I'm working. This corruptible tent, I should say. And so progress over perfection should be the thing that you kind of think about. Perfection is so debilitating. It is so, I feel so bad sometimes for, for both sides, <clears throat> men and women, but in particular women, that are just, they're, they're being captivated by this, by this distorted reality of what you should 
and need to look like. But it should be about progress, not perfection. It's about just getting better. It's not, it's not just getting better. It's you being the best you you can be. Amen? That's what God's called you to be. And so I'm never going to be a marathoner. I'm not going to discount the fact that I might be able to run a marathon if I had to. But I, 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 but I like to deadlift, you know, pickup trucks, okay? And so that's more my thing. <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't like to, you know, move a quart of wood one log at a time. You might be able to do that, and I like to move the whole thing at the same time. You might be a gazelle that can run for days. I, I, I run to my mailbox, to my refrigerator with great joy, great pleasure. You just be you. You be the best you you can be. Are you with me, everybody? Don't compare yourself to other people. You compare yourself to God's original design for you, which you're not going to find out if you're not connected to him. And if you are connected to him, he will restore you to your original factory settings, and you will find fulfillment in your physical body. Can I have a better amen in this house? Come on, Framingham, TC. Amen. So I want to give you a new motivation this year for being fit. What are you saying, Pastor? You're saying people are looking at me in, in a certain way if I'm not fit? Listen, yes. Yes, they are in a measure. I, I'm sorry to tell you that. I, I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm, I'm a pastor, okay? And so the Bible says in Colossians, it says, it says, let your light shine in front of men that they may see your good deeds. In front of men. In other words, the way you live your natural life, this is what it's sort of saying. It's saying, we're supposed to live in such a way in our natural life by what we do that people say, I want that. I want to learn more about that. Tell me more about that. How, how, how did that happen? How did you do that? And so the Bible says when you do that in front of men, you're glorifying God, not embarrassing God. Okay? So God always designed for you to be a, a, a walking billboard, a living curriculum, an ambassador and representative of him. And so we're at work in progress. We're working. Pro I'm just saying, don't be perfect. But are you progressing? Are you moving forward? What are you what are you doing about that? Amen. Number three, Second uh, Corinthians 8, 21. I have to read this verse, though. It says, for we are taking pains to do what is right. It's not easy. Paul said taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men, 2 Corinthians 8, 21. Now, here's the third thing that happens with your body. If you're not careful, it dishonors God. It dishonors God. Because New Testament, you know, newsflash, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are the house. You house the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 17 says that that God now is not living in buildings built by human hands. No, instead, he lives inside of you, Acts 17, 24. So, so this, this is not the sanctuary. This is the sanctuary. That's a big difference. There's a big change there. And, and isn't it interesting how not always, maybe not in this church so much because we're so non-traditional because of our start, but a lot of times people, when they come into church, or they come into a sanctuary, there's a certain reverence. People just automatically take off their hats. Some, some people, they, they, they're, they're quieter. That's why, you know, David Pisani has to work hard to get you to worship God. The Bible says we 
make a joyful noise unto the Lord and, you know, praise God with, you know, the fruit of our lips, praise his name. Because there's something about the building sometimes where there's a certain reverence and, and awe and respect. Some people won't even walk into a room if they're not dressed appropriately when there's religious, if there's religious artifacts, there's a certain respect to it. But what if we looked at the temple of the Holy Spirit the same way sometimes we looked at these religious buildings and these religious artifacts? What if we honored the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? We had more respect for that. 1 Corinthians 6.15. Do you not know? Paul said, do you not know? As if you don't. Your bodies are members of Christ himself. So then I, I can't take my, my members and unite it with a prostitute. Never. So we need to get ourselves fit. Pastor, tell me how to get fit. Are you ready? Here we go. Five people excited about this. Praise the Lord. Framingham, I'm expecting more. TC, come, come on. Online, thank you. Four signs that you're spiritually fit. Number one, you worship God, not your bod. <laughs> I love this verse. It says, therefore, I urge you, Romans 12, 1. I, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, I'll come back to that at the end of the service, that you present your bodies. Everybody say, my body. You present your body a living sacrifice. That means you don't have to get on the cross and die, but you die to self and all the things you want. As, as a, alive. Amen. It's a living sacrifice. It's not a total sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. And here's what happens. People are suffering from one of two extremes. You're going to come to this camp. You're going to see it really quickly. People are suffering from one of two extremes. You are either, when it comes to your body, a worshiper of the body, you know, just constantly can't, you know, just going crazy, or you are a neglector. Just imagine me, you know, laying out on a couch, okay? In fact, how many of you, just by a show of hands, are, you're kind of the couch potato. You just want to relax. You want to chill out. Like, you hate the gym. Like, you just hate the thought of it. There's so many liars in this room. It's unbelievable. <laughs> we need a separate service for that. How many of the gym rats? Like, you can't get through a week unless you go five times a week. You, you feel miserable. You know, if you miss the work. Okay, so there's a lot of those kind of people in this room, too. Listen, both are dangerous and damaging. And you have a bent typically as a person towards one side or the other. I'm coming for bodies on both sides. Are you ready for this, everybody? Okay. So I want you to just think about what your bent is, and I want you to apply it in this context, okay? So sometimes, you know, that those tendencies, you know, that we have, like, <laughs> I can't help but just have a little levity. But some people, when it comes to that couch potato side, they're like, you know, if God wanted, you know what I mean, to touch my toes, he would have put them closer. You know what I mean? Like, that's how we think. We're just, come on. <laughs> Some people worship the body so much, it's just they'll do anything to fix it. Like, how many have ever had stitches before, got them, got them, you know, sewed up? Okay. How many ever had, like, a minor surgery? All right. Major surgery. Major surgery. How many have plastic surgery? <laughs> there they are. There they are. They're out there. I know. They're out there by the droves. Okay. That, you're on one of those sides. I'll get you. Okay, I'll get you. I'll get you. So a neglect, <laughs> a neglect, he was setting me up. Yes, he was. A neglector says you only live once to each his own. I might not be healthy, but I'm going to be happy. I'm going to die with a good taste in my mouth, and you can die with wheatgrass in your mouth. I don't care, but I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die happy. That's, that's, that's a neglector. Okay, a worshiper says, what are you putting in your body? You know, I would never, I would never do that, you know. The, these extremes that we have are detrimental. 
and they produce certain habits that influence the spiritual power you need to be free. They influence that. Worshippers hide behind health. Worshippers are proud. Worshippers underneath that are proud. You know, I'm better. I'm better than the air I breathe. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm more pure. I'm, more, I, I'm better. There's a pride with the worshiper. A neglector hides behind rights and freedoms. And yet underneath that, they feel guilty. It's my right. It's my freedom. I don't have to do that. I don't have to behave like that. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do this. But behind that, there's, there's a certain guilt. Are you with me, everybody? And so as, listen, either side, as we move towards either extreme, we put pressure on those closest to us. <laughs> we strain those relationships and even bring pain sometimes to those ones that we say we love. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So, so worshiper, when I was early in marriage, my tendency is towards working out. Like I, and we're and just taking physical training. And I, I, I used to be like the two-a-day psychopath, you know, and I still have to fight that. Like I'm, what, I want to make sure I'm managing the tension. And I don't have time to unpack how I, how I sanctify that area. But, but I can remember one of the things that I did, it's okay to take care of your temple, but why are you taking care of the temple of, of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Derek, during the time when you should be home with your family? So it's somewhere between 5.30 and 7.30 when, when the kids are eating supper, when the kids are doing their homework, and when, and when it's tubby time, and I'm out taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, can you see how idolatrous that is? And so, so my wife is basically looking at that and just saying, that's not, that's not healthy. That's straining our relationship. That's a mistress in your life that is taking away from the marriage that we have and the family that we have. Are you with me, everybody? Right? And so then on the other side, uh, the, the, the neglector, my father's father died at 59 years old. Now, most most. Um, mortality is affected, one-third or more is affected by, is self-induced. It's not just some curse passed down. It's not just some unforeseen circumstance from the outside. It's, no, it's the lack of stewardship and care of your own body. That's why over one-third of people die. Are you with me, everybody? Yeah. They just didn't take care of themselves. And so my father's father died at 59, a, a litany of health problems. He, I mean, I loved him as a kid. I mean, he had he was strong, but he had, a, he had a stomach that just came right out to here. It was, like, it was like a bicep. I used to think it was a human bicep. He turned this way. I could bang it like a gong. Gong, gong like a kid. And I used to go up to that and hit it all the time. Grandpa, that, that, that thing is strong, you know, and he'd flex it. You know what I mean? And it was a funny thing. But he died at 59 years old. And I remember after he died, my father saying over and over and over again, it would come out of his mouth, when I needed my dad most, he was gone. Either extreme will cause damage and extreme pain on the people that we say we love dearly. So you can't be right with God. I'm right with God, you know, taking care of the temple and not right with people. You can't worship your body and neglect your wife and kids and friends. And a good thing or a freedom should never be a stumbling block for somebody else. And if you neglect your body, you will eventually force those closest to you to take care of you when they, because you didn't. Can you handle this, everybody? 1 Corinthians 6 says this. This is Paul, and he's dealing, he's dealing with the Corinthian city here and people here, and they have this dualistic thinking. They think, I have a spirit and I have a body, but never the two shall meet. They're separate. And Paul's trying to say, no, no, no. They're not separate. They actually go together. And we look at that when we read this and we think, 
yeah, they shouldn't do that, but we do the same thing. We come to church, we read our Bibles, we, we pray and we and, and fast a little bit, and, we, and, and, and we, we tithe and we serve, but we don't understand how important it is and what's included in our spiritual witness and testimony and development is to take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit is equally spiritual according to the Apostle Paul and the Word of God. Are you with me? So... Um, so it's often forgotten. Number two, here's another thing we got to do. You got to honor God. You got to honor God with your body. Now I'm going to merge two verses quickly here that I want you to see to formulate a principle. When you're trying to get principles, sometimes say people say to me, the young people, I was saying, Pastor, you have all these little PDs and little principles. Here's how you get principles: you learn the Word of God, you apply the Word of God, and then a principle will come from it. Amen. You get these principles from it. So here's here's an example: For Colossians chapter one, verse sixteen. Are you guys tracking? It says, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth. God created everything, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities. All things were created by him. Look at this. By him and for him. Everything was created by him and for him. Now, we're going to take that last part of that verse, and we're going to attach it to 1 Corinthians 6. And it says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So we can put these two portions together and we can say, you were created by him for him to bring honor to him. You, you were created by him for him to bring honor to him. Come on, say it with me. I was created by him for him to bring honor to him. Amen? And you honor God, and for the sake of time I can't do this, but you honor God with strong character, strong constitutions, and strong convictions. Strong character, strong constitutions, and strong convictions. Strong character is about your habits. Your habits. First you form habits, and then habits form you. Strong constitutions is about your mindset. My wife has a very has one of her biggest strengths with health is strong constitutions. We were conditioned and raised to have strong constitutions. Strong constitutions is a mindset. Try, this is the hardest one to explain, um, but it's like this. In our household, we don't tolerate sickness. When somebody gets sick, it's like it's a war in our house against sickness. And, and, and in fact, we'll do everything we can to still keep going. I feel like I'm supposed to park on this one just a little bit, but we live in a society when we get sick, we actually plan to be sick the next day. I'm sick today. And so now I'm already planning. I'm going to be out for a little while. That's a weak constitution. That's a weak. Are you with me, everybody? We get a little sniffle. Oh, I got a little sniffle. Something's coming on me. You know, I'm getting ready to go down. The ship's going. Mayday. Mayday. What is that? That is not Christian overcoming behavior. Are you with me? And so you, I'm challenging you to think whole. Not just have healthy habits, but have healthy mindsets. We just, don't, we just don't lay down. We don't, we don't give in to sickness. And, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. I had one of our friends, we were, on a, we were on a ski trip one time, and she's like, you know, one of the kids got hurt, kind of broke a collarbone or something like that. And then she's like, oh, you know, the boys are always getting hurt. I, I bet you another one's going to get hurt before. We, we've been in the hospital once. We could be going back. We went to the hospital three times that week on vacation with three different kids because of weak constitutions. Not ours, but we, 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 we were supporting them as the best we knew how. But we, in our mind, we were thinking, oh, my gosh, you can, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so 
Is he? So is he. All right? And strong convictions is about your beliefs. Proverbs 4, uh, verse 20 and following says, My son, attend unto my words, incline thine ears unto my sayings, for they are life unto those that find them. And the Bible says, health to all their flesh. So you have to have strong beliefs, everybody. You got to have strong character, strong convictions, strong constitutions, and this produces a healthy body. Number three, you got to watch what you do. You watch what you do. This is about living purposefully. Living purposefully. My daddy was so good at this, and, and he, had, you know, he had his weaknesses, but this was a strength for him. You see, you need your body to do what God's called you to do. One of the reasons I'm so intense about uh, taking care of myself is because of what the responsibility that is upon me. I cannot, my daddy used to say this, when he'd get, feel a little sickness coming on, attack of the enemy physically, he'd say, I cannot afford to be sick. I have too many important things to accomplish for God. And so there's a connection between your physical health and your purpose. When you do not know why you're here or why you exist or you do not, and therefore you will not live intentionally, your gravitational pull will be and default will be to just let this whole thing fall apart. Because you don't know why you're here and you're not living on purpose, everybody. Purpose protects your bodies. I'm getting fired up right now. You getting this? And if you don't know your purpose, you will click it. You will lick it. You will, you will ignore it. You won't do the things that you're supposed to do to keep it honoring God. As you go forward, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 that you should run in such a way. Everybody runs in life. There's a race. This is a metaphor. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone competes in games. When they do go into a game or to a, a challenge, they go into strict training, the Bible says. But the world does it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown in heaven that will last forever. What you do in this life is producing rewards in the next life. And so when you run, the Bible says run not aimlessly. Not just like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do today. I don't know what's going to happen this year. No. The Bible says this. He says, no, I beat my body. Come on, say, I beat my body. Oh, that's, what I, that's what I hear when I read that. I beat my body and I make it a slave. So I make my body subordinate to my spirit. That's what it's saying there. Body, you're going down here. You're my slave. I'm king of the hill right now. I make it my slave so that after I talk to other people about you, I won't be disqualified. I won't lose my moral authority because I have this here and I have the body down here. Are you with me? And if you don't train and if you don't beat your body into subjection, it will disqualify you. And I can't tell you how many mentors in my life, and in Jesus' name, I, but I say this with humility. I pray with all sincerity before God. I will not be one of those people who was serving God and, and knew my purpose and had freedom categorically, but in my body I did not, and I was taken out early because I didn't take care of my body. In Jesus' name, that won't be me, and I pray in Jesus' name that gets upon you. That you will not let your body disqualify you when your kids need your most, when your wife needs you, when your grandkids need you to be healthy so you can run with them and get down on the floor with them. Amen. It's important that you stay healthy Amen. so it doesn't disqualify you. So I'm calling all the campus pastors at TC, Framingham, Pastor Cliff, Pastor Jim, would you come down right now? Because I want to share this last point together and then I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Why don't you stand your feet as I share this last point with you? Here's the last point you got to get a revelation. A revelation. Are you guys, did you get something out of this today? Yeah. <laughs> this is a big one for me um, because the revelation connects to the motivation. 
Try to be really still while you just take this in. But see, I got alone with God on this particular situation, and I had a revelation, and God was just reminding me of something. And, and, and it's so important to just reflect sometimes, and sometimes we don't even look back. But I, re- but I remember, in so many words, I was a slave. And I'll explain that in a second. In other words, I belonged to someone else before I met Jesus. I remember my life before Jesus. Now, I I got saved as a young boy, but I didn't surrender my life to Jesus really until I was in high school. And I remember my life before that. I remember having suicidal thoughts. that If I threw myself, just rolled right into this this guardrail, who would care about that? I used to have regular suicidal thoughts when I was a 16-year-old boy. And I, I never want to go back to that. I was going to, basically, before Jesus, I was going to have to pay for my own sin before Jesus. Get this, eternally. And, and, and now I don't have to. And so my heavenly father sent his one and only, only begotten son, firstborn, first fruits, best offering with and sacrificed his body on a cross for me. It's as if... Jesus and the devil had a conversation about me. And you insert yourself into the situation. But according to scripture, I was, I was the legal property of the devil. He had the keys for my soul. And it was as if Jesus came into my situation and into my life. And he basically said, you know, uh, how much for Derek's life? I know you own him. How much? And, and the devil says, it's going to cost you everything. And Jesus said, okay, I'll pay for it with my body. That's a revelation that some of you guys need. I'll pay for that. And so when then when I read 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Now it makes sense. You are not your own. You are bought. You are bought at a price with the shed blood of Jesus on Calvary 2,000 years ago. So now what? Honor God with your body, it says, right there. So in lieu of that, Paul says, give your bodies a living sacrifice to him because of what he did for you. So here's the thing. As we dismiss the campuses, Jesus was the total sacrifice. And all he's asking for you to be now is, because of that, a living sacrifice. You're free to go. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads here? In lieu of that revelation, is there anybody in this room that would just say, I need to recommit my body, submit my body to the mission and purpose that God has established for my life as a living sacrifice? Is there anybody in this room that says, that's me, I need to recommit my body to be a living sacrifice for Jesus? Would you raise your hand if that's you all over the room? God bless you. So many people. You just know. you got to make some changes in that area. I see it differently now. Amen. I'm going to pray for you in a second. Now, if there's some of you that are far from God and you just, you've never, you've never really understood what Jesus did for you. He didn't just pay the sins that apply to your body. He, played, he paid for everything so that your soul, your, your entire triune being could be saved and you could be in right standing with God. Maybe you can't look back like me and remember what it was like before Jesus and after Jesus, but you can draw a line in the sand right now today and you can cross over. The Bible says from death to life, from an old life to a new life, 
from before to after Jesus. And if that's you today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus and make him not only the Savior who paid for your sins, but Lord and become a living sacrifice for him. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make sure I'm good with God. Jesus is the Savior and Lord of my life. All of this room. Good night. Good night. Thank you. 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 Amen. You may put your hands down. Church, would you pray? Those that raise your hand, would you pray this prayer? Just say this. Say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. Today, I don't just get the heaven package, but I'm going to live my life on earth with intentionality, with purpose. I give you all of me, spirit, mind, and body. I can't save myself. I know this is an internal work that manifests on the outside because of what's happening right now on the inside. Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life today, and because of what happens today, the rest of the year, and my future is different in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. People got saved today. People surrendered their bodies to Jesus Christ today. We will never, ever, ever be the same again. Come on, let's shout unto God. Amen.